Well, there are a number of characteristics of this day. As you can see here, Yom Kippur. And by the way, I, before I begin, thank you. Uh, I should mention to you that the teens are having a special service at 1.30, I believe. So that will be in Beit Munah while we are doing Yisker here. So if there are teens here that um, can stay, it would be great for you to join the teens who will be there at 1.30. So Yom Kippur, Holy Convocation, afflict yourselves. When I think of the word afflict, I honestly think of humble yourself. Because when I think of the word humble, I think of where I, per, I, I care more about your feelings than mine. I care about more about your desires than mine. And that to me is what a humble person does. And I think for many of us, it's, it's afflicting ourselves to do that because obviously uh, we want what we want. But God is showing us, I believe, a better way, that it's better to serve, it's better to give, it's better to care, it's better to love, regardless of what the other person does. And uh, so the offering by fire to the Lord, to me, is the fire in our belly to serve him at all times. That is, that's who we are. And um, there shouldn't be any kind of work, um, solemn rest, a statue forever. So we should do this forever. Um, it's not just for years ago. This is for now, and it's for next year until the Lord returns. And then from evening to evening. So Yom Kippur is all about repentance. And as I mentioned, this portion from last night's message, uh, Jewish people have a difficulty with the word sin, I think. Growing up that way, uh, I did not understand sin. I grew up and I thought I was a good, good guy. And so that means I didn't sin. And sin was not talked about in the synagogue where I went. And it was talked about on Yom Kippur, but it just didn't seem like it, it made a, a real profound mark on me. And so I, when I became a believer in Yeshua, I had to realize that I was a sinner. And that took a while. It, it wasn't a, a quick, simple thing. So I was praying about it this week and trying to figure out how to explain sin and from a Jewish point of view. And this is what I feel the Lord gave me, uh, that he is holy and we are to be holy like him. And I can easily I understand the holiness of God because God is just awesome and, and beyond what we can even imagine. And so um, his holiness to me is, is a clear understanding. Uh, 
when even though I didn't think of sin a lot, I also didn't consider myself holy. <laughs> I mean, what kid does, right? So to me, sin is the bridge or the distance between my holiness and God's holiness. That's how I see sin. It's that part of me that has not been surrendered to God. And I will sin less the more I surrender. Give that some thought. Uh, it was clear to me. I hope it's clear to others as well. So God, as I've said often, is always looking at our heart. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart diligently, for from it flows the springs of life. If your heart is bitter, the springs of life are going to be dirty. <laughs> if your heart is filled with love, there will be a purity about the springs of life. Jeremiah 17.10, I, Adonai, search the heart. I try the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. But it's not just the fruit of the deeds. God searches the heart. A lot of people do a lot of good things, but their heart is not right. Proverbs 28, 13, one who covers up his transgression will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them finds mercy. And to me, forsakes is another word for repent, because if you forsake it, you are leaving it behind. And so that's really what repentance is. You're saying, I am, Lord, I'm going to leave this sin behind. I'm going to change. I'm going to turn. The problem always is stated so well in Isaiah 59 too. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. So your sin has separated you from God. The more we sin, the greater the separation. Now, it's important to understand that God doesn't move. So... The only one who's moving in this separation is you. You're moving away from him. It's your decision. God's always there. He's right there. He's just waiting for you to move to him. And sin, sin brings on death, both spiritual and physical. You know, a lot of people learned that there was sin in their lives, and it caused them a lot of physical ailments. In James 1.14.15, it says, But each one is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own desire. I mean, just the phrase, enticed by your own desire, it sounds really awful. You've been enticed. What does enticed mean? You, you're, you're sort of grabbed by the evil one. You, you're enticed. It's, there's a temptation before you. So you've been enticed. Then when desire has conceived, 
So you go from desire, I'm sorry, from being enticed to now you're desiring it. And it gives birth to sin. Your desire gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Sin is the greatest barrier to a life of true love, joy, peace, contentment, and hope. There's no lasting joy when we are in sin, no lasting contentment when we are in sin, no real true peace when we are in sin. Hope, faith, love can be destroyed when we are in sin. Yeshua, uh, Yom Kippur teaches us that God wants us to deal with the sin in our lives. And today I'd like to look at um, probably other than Yeshua, certainly in the Hebrew scriptures, the person that I respect the most in, in the Hebrew scriptures, and that would be Daniel. So we'll look at Daniel 9. And he gives this what I call a model prayer as he intercedes for himself and his people and all, uh, you know, with all his heart. Now, one of the things about Daniel is I'm sure he sinned, but we don't really read about it in Scripture. So he was a pretty remarkable guy. And he had true humility. His, his, uh, Prayer had true confession, true regret, true, re true repentance. It shows Daniel's heart. He was righteous, and he was broken and contrite. And, and that's such an interesting thing, you know, how somebody could be such a powerful believer and still be contrite and humble before the Lord. Uh, that You know, when... When we think of power, we think that it, power corrupts, and, and we see that in the, in the world. And look, if we're going to be honest, we see it amongst believers too. But we shouldn't. <laughs> and really, what we should see is leaders with broken and contrite hearts. Daniel 9, verse 1 and 2. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, sorry, of Median descent, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books that according to the word of Adonai, so let's start there. He understood from the books, so he read scripture. This is a man who knew, read and knew scripture because he not only read it, but he understood it because he remembered it. That according to the word of Adonai to Jeremiah the prophet, the number of years for fulfilling of the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70 years. In other words, 70 years, and we should be going back home. Now, let's look at the prophecies that led up to this in Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah 25, 11, 
So this whole land will be a desolate ruin, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. So that's the first prophecy, that it's going to be 70 years. The second one was in Jeremiah 29.10, for thus says Adonai, after 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will visit you and fulfill my good word toward you to bring you back to this place. So, I mean, how can people not believe in God's word when it is so miraculous? Even at the time then, there were prophetic things that just happened, and, and you just see it right there. It's, it's amazing. Daniel 9.3. So what was his reaction? So I set my face to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. You know, oftentimes when we hear good news, we have a party. Or we just say, hey, I'm going to rejoice. It's great. That's not what Daniel did. Daniel said, okay, this is the time. I've got to go to prayer. Because God is looking for those people who see what's in the word, see the time, and then they go to prayer and fasting with with humility, sackcloth and ashes. So this all represents humility, confessing his sin and Israel's sin. So it wasn't, he wasn't just confessing Israel's sin. He was confessing his own sin. No rationalization, no excuses, didn't say sin was, uh, his sin was less. It just, this was a man of integrity. He didn't separate himself from the sins of the people. Self-righteous people seldom make confessions. People who are arrogant, people who feel it's all about them. Repentance shows passion in one's heart. Repentance is not an obligation. It is a move of God's spirit in our heart. So Daniel 9, 4 and 5, I prayed to Adonai my God and confessed, saying, now listen to this confession here, because we get an order of how to pray. O Lord, the great and awesome God. Was there any confession there? Yeah, he just confessed the fact that God is awesome. So it's really an adoration. It's not a confession uh, for him. It's just reminding himself and telling God, I know, God, you're amazing. And I know that you keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you, Lord, and keep your mitzvot, your, your commandments. So all of this is very positive. Now, finally, he gets to the part, we have sinned. We've committed iniquity. We've acted wickedly. We've rebelled. We've turned away from your commandments and from your rulings. So repentance begins with magnifying God, acknowledging the character of God, and then admitting with intensity the repetition of our sins. Daniel 9, 6, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets. So we have not been under authority of the 
prophets that you have sent our way. That's what he's saying. Who's spoken your name to our kings, our leaders, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. We're not going to read all of Daniel 9. It's lengthy. But I just want you to see the heart of Daniel, and this should be our heart. In verse 13, as it is written in the Torah of Moses, all this calamity came on us, yet we have not sought the favor of Adonai Eloheinu by turning away from our iniquities and paying attention to your truth. This could have been written about today. (laughs) And even though Israel is under calamity today and the United States is under calamity today, we're not turning from our sins. In a sense, we're going to our sins. And we're not not paying attention to the truth. The truth is Yeshua. Daniel 9, 14, and, uh, well, let's skip that. Let's go to Daniel 9, 16, and 17. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, there it is again. (laughs) Every time Daniel says something, he starts out with lifting up the Lord. Let your anger and your fury turn away, please, from Jerusalem, your city, your holy mountain. Because of our sins and our in- the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become an object of scorn to all those around us. So now, our God, listen to the prayers and petitions of your servants, servant and cause your face to shine upon your devastated sanctuary for the sake of my Lord. So he even ends, do this because of you, Lord, for the sake of my God. So he realizes that when God gets the glory, the people will understand, they'll see it. Daniel 9, 18 and 19, give ear, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation in the city called by your name. Again, he's not just saying it's a city. He's not just saying it's Jerusalem. He's saying this is a city called by your name. It's, it's in a sense, your city. We do not present our supplications before you because of our own righteousness, but because of your great compassions. If you ever wondered how to pray about something, why don't you try that line? Lord, I'm not asking you because I'm righteous, because I know I'm not righteous, but because of your great compassions. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, there it is again, oh my God, do not delay. For your city and your people are called by your name. So repentance should include confidence because of God's word and his great compassions for his we know his purposes for the one who has repentance has to do repentance by faith so right after this prayer 
of repentance, Daniel receives from God probably the greatest prophecy in the entire Bible. That's my opinion. And that is, when would Messiah come? The end of Daniel 9. So, repentance is characterized by humility, fervency, true confession, and confidence through faith that God will forgive. These attributes should be in our repentance if we're going to have the power to overcome sin. Because that's what it really is all about, overcoming sin. Ask yourself these questions. Are my actions and attitude helping others to see God? Let's stop right there. <laughs> That's a tough one, isn't it? But you don't understand the, what, what they did to me. Well, I'll ask the question again. Are my actions and attitude helping others to see God? Is my behavior helping others to see God? That's a difficult one. Are my actions and attitudes giving God glory? Very similar to the first. Have I truly repented of my sins? Am I still holding on to sinful habits such as bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness? Am I humble or do I feel that I am better than others? So often because of somebody's behavior, we feel we're better than they are. And that's not a humble heart. It might be true in terms of the world and how the world sees it. You could probably get line up a hundred witnesses to agree, except God won't. Because God's looking for your heart. He's looking for humility. Second Chronicles 7.12 Then Adonai appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself, for a house of sacrifice. I feel, honestly, I, I know Israel is God's land, but I feel that God chose the United States to be a light as well. A light to Israel and a light to the world. And I believe that he's, we're founded on the principle of freedom to pursue our faith, which most countries do not have. We are people that unfortunately we are similar right now to Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is speaking to us through this passage in Solomon. I believe he's speaking to us. So the next verse in that Second Chronicles 7.13, if I shut up heaven, that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, 
or if I send pestilence among my people. Wow, that feels like this past year or two, doesn't it? And it's even with this latest hurricane, I mean, we escaped, but the people in Fort Myers didn't. I don't want to argue about what God's role is in bringing pestilence or not, but I think it's clear that we do have pestilence. So I want you to ask God with me that we would on Yom Kippur repent and eradicate the blatant sin the blatant sin in us and then in our congregation and then in our city and our state and our country and certainly our world. God then says to Solomon and to us, this is how to pray. Second Chronicles 7.14, you all know it. When my people, over whom my name is called, humble themselves. So there it is again. When believers humble, he's not asking for non-believers to humble themselves. He's asking for you and I to humble ourselves. So, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Turning from their evil ways is repentance, right? Repentance. Then God says he will hear from heaven, he will forgive our sin, and he will heal our land. It would seem to me at Yom Kippur, one of the things, and certainly as this is considered in the Jewish community is the beginning of the year, Rosh Hashanah. That one of the things we could say to the Lord is, you know, this year we're going to be faithful with this prayer. With this prayer right here. I, Lord, am one of your people. I've been called by your name. And Lord, I am seeking right now to humble myself. I'm seeking, Lord, that I will be working on humility all throughout the year. I'll be working on my prayer life all throughout the year. I will be working on seeking your face all throughout the year. And I will turn from my evil ways all throughout the year. And then, Lord, I'm expecting from you that you will hear what I've prayed. You will forgive my sins. And you will heal the land that I am interceding for, which in particular is the United States and Israel. I know there are other countries, and many of you come from different countries, whether it's Cuba, Puerto Rico, or others, and, and you have a heart for that country. Well, add it on. Please. By all means, 
let us see that God has something strong for us to do as prayer warriors, as people who really understand the significance of this day, Yom Kippur, that it is a day that we should carry with ourselves all year long. God is faithful and has always provided a way for us to be reconciled with him. Acceptance of Yeshua is God's way for us to receive reconciliation, not each year, which is the theme of Yom Kippur to the Jewish community, but for all times. Yeshua is the, the Lamb of God for all times. He is the blood sacrifice for all times. He is the scapegoat for all times. And it's explained beautifully, I think, in the New Covenant in Hebrews 9, 13. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes, ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleansing our conscience from dead works to serving the living God. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, in order that those called may receive the promise eternal inheritance. I pray that each person here has or is desiring the eternal inheritance. It will cause us to be humble and to know that God is greater than we are, that he is real, and we are a creation of his. So those of you who are here, if anybody has not accepted Yeshua, or on Facebook Live, if you have not accepted Yeshua, today, why don't you mark today Yom Kippur by receiving your eternal inheritance. Join with me in prayer. I repent of my sin. Yeshua, come into my life. Yeshua, be my atonement. I dedicate my life to you. Father, I pray for each and every person who has said that prayer and meant it in their hearts. I pray that this Yom Kippur will not be just like every other Yom Kippur, but this will have such deep meaning in our hearts, in our spirit, in our life, that we will never be the same. Lord, change us through and through. Yes, change us so that we can be holy as you are holy. I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. If there's anybody here who said that prayer, and we would love to give you a free gift, uh, also on Facebook Live, just contact us, contact our office, and we'll be happy to do so.
So this song is really about God's mercy. And I don't know how many of you feel that you don't deserve his grace and his mercy, but this song, which is called Mercy Seat, gives you that opportunity. So I was thinking, or actually Becca was thinking, which was right thinking, that we should have some prayer during this song. So if there are two ways you can do this, you can come and just kneel and just seek the Lord. Or if you want prayer from myself, uh, uh, Ron, if you would, uh, if you'd like prayer from one of us during this song, feel free to come forward. We'd love to pray for you. In the darkness where everything is unknown I face the power of sin on my own I did not know of a place I could go where I could find a way to heal my wounded soul. Blood will flow freely. It 
going to do things a little differently today. We're going to have the Aaronic benediction now, and then afterwards we're going to have about, I don't know how long, but uh, we're just going to have a time of worship, just a time of worship. So uh, as we're going to try and sort of keep to the schedule, which is that roughly at 1.30 we'll have Yisker, but there won't be a a time where we're going to excuse you. You'll just excuse yourself uh, when you're ready. But we, we want to just keep this area for a time of worship. So uh, would you like to? Please rise with me. Yivarecha Adonai Bishmarecha Yair Adonai Panavaleka Vikunecha Yitzah Adonai Panavaleka Vehosim lecha shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace, his shalom. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, Sar Shalom, Yeshua Mishikenu, Yeshua our Messiah. Amen.